You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith. Um, I apologize for the echo. Um, as I mentioned last week, I just uh, recently got my office set up and um, I got s- moved a little more stuff in here to get rid of some of the echo, but I still need to um, uh, maybe put a rug down or something, or I don't know. I need to do something to get rid of the rest of the echo, but it's not as bad as it was last week. But at any rate, I apologize for the echo. Uh, so there is, uh, you know, I'm still really busy this summer, and uh I'm really glad that I volunteered to teach Vacation Bible School, and I think it's a rewarding experience, but I am also glad there are only two weeks left, because it is a lot of work. So, anyhow, uh, with that, I'm going to get on with the, uh, with the lesson, or not the lesson, I mean, but the, uh, the topic here. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. If you're a regular listener, thanks for coming back. And if you haven't already, I would greatly appreciate it if you would go by iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you're listening and rate and review this podcast because it really helps other people to find it. And if you have any questions or comments, or you would like to get a hold of me, you can contact me by going to my website, genecurl.com. So, with that, uh, so have you ever asked somebody how they were doing and expected him or her to say they were doing just fine? And then, when they were honest and started telling you how they really were, you kind of freaked out because you were not prepared for that and didn't know what to say? If we're honest... The vast majority of the time, we don't actually care how the other person's day was or how they're doing. We're just asking to be polite, and we expect them to respond with the typical response that everything is going great so that we can go on with our day. Not only are we not prepared for an honest answer, when we get one, we don't care enough to truly listen to their story, much less to do anything about it. Before you say that you've never done this, remember, it's a sin to lie. A few days ago at work, I asked a man how his day was, and he basically told me his entire life story, and he told me about how horribly wrong his life was going. And while I wish I could say that I was interested and empathized uh, with his plight, I can't because it wouldn't be true. I tried to act interested while at the same time trying to come up with an exit strategy as quickly as possible so that I could get back to the other tasks that I had to do because, after all, I get paid to work. 
I don't get paid to listen to people's problems and their stories, and I don't get paid to fix their problems. Of course, that's just another excuse as well. I think considering the nature of my job in the automotive industry, most people would be surprised at how many times people feel compelled to tell me their life story or to tell me about whatever is going on in their lives. I think the reason so many people tell me their life stories and tell me about their problems is because they are just eager to find someone, anyone, who will listen to them and provide some comfort. I'm ashamed to admit that, while I'm never rude, I am often not all that comforting, and I would rather not be having the conversation at all. For a while, when I was a teenager, I worked as a bellhop at a hotel, and I hated every minute of my job. My boss didn't treat me or any of the other employees right, and the guests usually treated me like I was something they had just stepped in and was eagerly trying to scrape off their shoes. Most of the guests I carried luggage for couldn't care less about me. They thought they were superior to me in every way, and they treated me like I was a slave. And at the same time, they expected me to treat them like they were royalty. After a while, it didn't much faze me when I was treated that way. I just thought it was par for the course. It was always a welcome surprise when someone treated me with respect, though. One day, though, a nice older man asked me how my day was going, and when I told him that it was going great, his uh, response surprised me. He said, I know you're expected to say that you're doing great, but you don't have to lie to kick it. You can be honest with me, son. You say that you're having a great day, but your face says otherwise. To be honest, I was having an absolutely horrendous day. I was not sure if this man was seriously, it was serious and if he was actually wanted to, to know what was going on and what kind of day I was having, but I gave it to him anyway, and we wound up having a great conversation. And in the course of that conversation, I found out that this man was a doctor who delivered me. Um, the man told me that he was a doctor in Topeka, Kansas, and so I told him that that's where I was born. And then he asked me what uh, day I was born, and so I told him the day I was born, which was uh, July 4th, and then I gave him the year. And um, then he asked where in Topeka I was born, so I told him the name of the hospital I was born at. And then he said that he could say without a doubt that he was the doctor who delivered me because he was the only doctor working at that hospital that morning. And he remembered because uh, I was the very first baby born on July 4th that year. So I was born so early, I, was all, I just narrowly missed being born on July 3rd. It was an odd coincidence meeting the doctor who delivered me, considering that I was born in Topeka, Kansas, and the hotel where I met him was in Williams, Arizona. Sometimes it really is a small world. If that man hadn't taken the time to be a decent human being and cared about what I was going through, then neither of us would have known our connection. Most people are not like that doctor. 
and most people don't really care about what kind of day you're having and don't want to be inconvenienced by your hardships. And as we already established, I am sometimes that way as well. It is somewhat acceptable to have that attitude with random people you meet throughout the day, at work, or on the streets. But the sad truth is, it happens at church where people should be expected to find someone who cares, or they they should be able to expect to find someone who cares. And when we treat people that way at church, or have that kind of attitude at church, it is not acceptable. I think that as Christians, we're somehow conditioned to think that we have to put on a facade and we can relate to the Miranda Lambert song, Mama's Broken Heart, where she sings about going through a breakup that she's not handling particularly well. And her mother says to her, it doesn't matter how you feel, it only matters how you look. For some reason, we feel that we have to... um, We feel the need to have everyone think that we're doing well and we have it all together, even when we're hanging by a thread and the thread is about to break. We think how we look to the rest of the congregation is more important than how we feel, and we often impose the same rule on others that we put on ourselves. It's kind of ridiculous to have that mindset when you think about it, because Jesus said that the church is to be a hospital, a place where we go to be healed. And we can't be healed if we lie about what's wrong or pretend that nothing is wrong. When Jesus was eating with Levi, the tax collector, people criticized him for eating with sinners. So he responded by saying, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's uh, Mark 2 13 through 17. Of course, The truth is that all of us are sick and need Jesus, even those of us who refuse to admit it. As anyone who knows me even marginally well knows, I am pretty much obsessed with the Terminator movies. And in the television show, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Sarah Connor has a few sessions with a therapist because she thinks that he has some link to Skynet. And after a few visits, he says to her, I don't know why you're here. You just lie and lie. I can't help you unless you're honest with me. Of course, she never is honest with him, nor does she uh, ever admit, even to herself, that she needs help. And uh, as a result, she never gets the help that she needs. Imagine the insanity of going to a hospital where all of the patients say, There is nothing wrong with them, and they try to hide their injuries and their sickness. And all the doctors and nurses expect them to say that they are doing fine when they're asked. A hospital where people are afraid to admit what's wrong with them would be of no value to anyone. Of course, people are typically honest about what the problem is when they go to see a doctor, but not at church. If you walked into a hospital emergency room and asked a random person how he or she was doing, they'd probably look at you like you were crazy and tell you that you should be able to tell how they're doing just by looking at them. In the church that I am in now, I've been blessed and have had been in some awesome home groups. 
But in previous churches, I've also been in some horrible home groups. And in the past, I'm sure that I was part of the reason they were horrible. I'm not above admitting that. The good news is that we can change and we can all be forgiven of our past failures. Sometimes, honesty is painful, but it's always better than a lie. In the home group, uh, in the home group that I'm in now, for the most part, people feel no need to lie about what they are going through. And so far as I can tell, they ask for prayer and support for their problems in their life, the ones they're actually going through, and not the socially acceptable problems that they think everyone expects them to mention. In some home groups, not, uh, not ones that I know about in my church, but in some home groups, um, certainly some that I've been to in the past, everyone sits around and talks about how blessed they are, despite the fact that their lives are in shambles, and they're dying inside and barely able to make it through the day. Some of the people are a little more honest and say, well, you know, things are a little rough right now, but I'm blessed, and I know this is just a season, and God's preparing me for something better. However, a lot of the time, they don't feel blessed, and they're not certain that better times are coming. Well, after everyone talks about how blessed they are and going around the room, the friend who is convinced to tag along and is not a regular churchgoer says, If you are all as blessed as you say that you are, then I'm happy for you. But I'm not blessed. I'm hurting. My life is horrible. I don't feel blessed in the slightest. And in fact, I'm even starting to wonder if God loves me at all. I have severe health problems. My wife just left me. And on top of that, I just lost my job. Man, my life is hard. Even if what the one person said is what everyone is thinking, everyone else immediately thinks to themselves, Who brought the new guy? Everybody knows that you're supposed to suck it up and tell everybody how blessed you are. I'm not saying that church, or even home group for that matter, should be a support group, or that you should share everything going on in your life in a group setting. But you should be you should at least be honest with those you are closest with and let them know uh, what's going on so that they can and let them know that they can be honest with you. Some things may not be appropriate to share in a group, but you can and should share with a trusted friend or with a member of the church staff. If you always pretend to be okay, and you do your best to make everyone think that you're okay, then most people will think that you're doing fine. And when you finally snap one day, or when the stress and the pain gets too much to bear and you decide to end it all, everyone will say, I'm not sure what happened. He was always such a nice, happy guy. And I always thought she was just so happy. She was always laughing and smiling and telling us what a great life she had. Church which can and should be viewed as a spiritual hospital, should be the one place where we feel comfortable being real and talking about what is actually going on in our lives, and it should be a safe place to heal. It says, I think, a lot about us when so many people show up to church thinking they have to look like they have a perfect life, and they do all they can to appear to have it all together because they're afraid of what the other people in the congregation will think of them if they're honest and open about their lives. 
Most of the time, when I hear about someone who ended his or her own, his or her own life, those who they left behind, family and friends, say that they had no idea they were depressed and struggling with life. And that's sad, especially when the person in question was involved in a church, which is supposed to be a place where we lift up and edify each other and help to bear each other's burdens. Robin Williams, the legendary comedian, always made people laugh, and most people thought that he was happy. But he was far from happy, as his suicide proved. Williams was not happy, but he didn't want to be a burden on other people and wanted them to be happy, so he pretended he was happy. It's sad that most people who commit suicide do so without their friends or family knowing beforehand that they were struggling. But if they had reached out, it likely would have saved their lives. This isn't an episode on suicide or depression, but seriously. If you suspect someone you know is struggling, uh, then reach out to them. A true friend is more worried about the well-being of his or her friend than they are about uh, whether or not uh, they're bothering them by making a call or stopping by. I know that not all of you are country music fans, but I really wish that church-going Christians could be as honest as country music. When I think of honesty about how we're doing and feeling, especially when we feel like hiding it, I think of a song called Doing Fine by Lauren Elena, and it goes, Daddy got sober, Mama got his best friend. I've cut down crying to every other weekend. Thanks for asking how I've been. I've gotten too good at hiding it within. It's okay, things aren't great, but the truth is, yeah, the truth is, I'm doing fine enough to know that everybody, that everyone's a little broken. Fine enough to learn that hearts are best when they're wide open. I still got fear inside of me. I'm okay, but I'm going to be all right. For the first time in a long time, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Daddy signed the papers the day I turned 19. Mama drove north to find a new beginning. I blamed God. I blamed myself. Then I fell on my knees and prayed like hell. It's funny how a touch of grace gives you healing. Yeah, I'm healing. I'm doing fine enough to know that everyone's a little broken. Fine enough to learn that hearts are best when they're wide open. I still got fear inside of me. I'm not okay, but I'm going to be all right. For the first time in a long time, I'm doing fine. Oh, I'm doing fine. Oh, these growing pains. I wish they'd go away, but I guess you can't be free without a fight. I'm doing fine enough to know that everyone's a little broken. Fine enough to learn that hearts are best when they're wide open. I still got fear inside of me. I'm not okay, but I'm going to be all right. For the first time in a long time, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Daddy got sober, Mama got his best friend, but I'm doing fine. Yeah, yeah. So, just reading the words, I didn't quite do that song justice, and if you're really interested in hearing the song, I will put the, I put the link to the YouTube uh, official uh song in the show notes so if you want to check it out you can so uh but 
but yeah, um, country music, a lot of times people admit they're not doing fine. And, but in church, a lot of times it seems that we feel that we need to have everybody think that we're doing well and that everything is great, even when it's not. And in all of my years in church, I've only once heard a preacher talk about how wrong his life was going. And man, you should have seen the faces of the congregation. For some reason, people think that pastors and church staff should have perfect lives. And if they don't have perfect lives, it's often assumed that it's because they're living in sin. I blame this partly on the rise of the false gospel of of prosperity that teaches that the more righteous we are, the more blessed our lives will be material, uh, materially, and that uh, our lives will be smooth selling. Well, Jesus didn't promise that everything would be smooth selling. He promised that in this life, we will have troubles. So we can't, shouldn't be thinking that other people's lives are bad because they're sinning. That's not a fair assessment. Now, I'm not sure when or how we got to this point where we think that we have to appear to have it all together when we go to church or where we expect the leaders to have perfect lives, especially when Jesus admitted when he wasn't doing well. Jesus felt no need to pretend uh, that he was feeling well when he wasn't, so why do we feel the need to do so? Paul admitted that he didn't view himself as a good person, and he admitted that he had something that was continually troubling him, which he referred to as a thorn in his flesh. And he asked for it to be removed, but God chose to allow it, whatever it was, to remain to keep him humble. So Paul didn't uh, feel any need to uh, lie or to pretend that he was doing better than he was. So why do we? As Christians, we give uh, Thomas a lot of flack. I mean, you know, he's for, he'll forever be known as Doubting Thomas. But, you know, sometimes I think Thomas is the one that was smarter than the rest of them. Because when they were sitting around and, and Jesus said, uh, saw them that, that uh, where he was going, they would know and they could follow him there. And, and you know, and Thomas didn't pretend that he understood like the rest of them did. He said, Lord, how can we follow you when we don't even know where you're going? Yeah, Thomas, you know, he didn't pretend to understand something when he didn't, and he didn't pretend that that uh, he was full of uh, faith when he had doubts. For Thomas, it was more important to get clarification so he could understand or to ask the hard questions so that uh, he could believe than it was to appear to know what was going on and was full of faith. It's far more important to be well than to appear to be well. And if we're always pretending to be well, then uh, when we're not, then we won't get well. It really is okay to not be okay. And when other people tell us what's going on in their lives, we should respond in the manner in which we wish people would respond to us. Uh, may we all be honest and kind. And I'm going to end with this uh, short joke that I heard growing up. It kind of illustrates the point. But there's two, there's these two men uh, walking down the street. Well, 
one man carried, this was in times when everybody carried a pocket watch and they weren't the digital ones, you know, they had the hands on them. And so this man, he didn't know how to tell time, but he carried a pocket watch because he thought it made him look sophisticated. And he came across another man and the other man asked him what time it was. So he pulled out his watch and said, uh, darned if it is. And he showed the other guy, hoping the other guy would say what time it is because he didn't know the time. Well, the other guy couldn't read, uh, couldn't read clocks either. So he looked at it and said, darned if it ain't. And then they parted ways and both men walked away. Neither one of them knowing the time and neither one of them admitting that they didn't know the time. So church shouldn't be that way. You know, we shouldn't go to go to church and all pretend that we're doing well and just, you know, that's not the purpose of it. And so we should be honest. And when people are honest with us, we should be kind and we should do what we can to respond to them in the way that Christ responded to those that uh, came to him. So uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you turn in next time, or I hope you tune in next time. And uh, I believe next time it's going to be another episode on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as uh, Mormons. And it's going to be about uh, a little bit about polygamy and about uh, what the church or church members use as justification for polygamy and what the Bible says about it and historical context and things like that. So it'll be a fairly in-depth episode. And uh, so um, hope to see you there. And, and then in the future also... Um, it won't be a regular regular episodes, but in the future, uh, there's a few books on religion that I thought I would read through and uh, do commentary on. But that would be like if I get a chance, I get a little more free time, then I would do that, and that would be an extra episode in the week. And then the Wednesday episodes would be just regular on schedule. But you know, until I get more free time, I can't do that. So for now, it's just gonna carry on and be every. Wednesday and so um, well again thanks for listening and God bless thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family you are loved